Welcome to the second episode of the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. Okay, this is episode two, and we'll be discussing season one, episode two of So Weird, which is the punningly entitled website, S-I-G-H-T. You see what they did there? Yeah, this is my favorite title of the show, just because it's slightly creative, at least, and I love puns. I well, I kind of like the one-word title uh, scheme that would develop throughout the show, but yeah, this is a fun title, yeah. Yeah, consistency's good, too. I do like consistency. I guess we should just go right into talking about the episode. What's this week's mystery of the week for this particular one? Would it be time travel? Well, not so much time travel as predictions Pred- of the future. Precognition. Through the internet. <laughs> Visions, yeah. And it starts the theme of using the internet for the supernatural. Woo-hoo. Yeah, and I think that was one of the goals with this episode, since there was a big gimmick to the show about Fee having her own website and being on the internet. And I think with this particular one, they really wanted to play that up. And when I rewatched this episode a few years back, I wasn't really that big of a fan of it. I actually say in my review that um, spam emails that predict the future sounds less like a supernatural mystery and more like the premise of Adam Sandler's next movie. But rewatching <laughs> oh, <no>. it, <laughs> rewatching it um, just earlier today, it's better than that, actually. I thought this one held up better than I expected. I liked it. Uh, I think this episode, they already, the characters are better developed than the first one, for sure. The first episode mm-hmm. just felt so much like a pilot, but this one, it felt like all the upper, uh, other episodes do. Yeah, I agree. The characters' personalities are more established at this point. Yeah. Not to mention, Jack really ups his snarkiness level. My Hands down, my favorite comments of the episode is Jack's line, Ooh, speak to me of Oracle my, for the microprocessor. Who do you like for the Super Bowl? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and the alien puppet comes back in this one. I've forgotten about that. Uh, yeah, that random scene where she feeds it a muffin. Yeah. <laughs> she picks up the alien puppet and has it nibble on a muffin. That was uh, unusual. So the general premise for this episode is, obviously, the Phillips family are still on tour. And Fiona, one night, her computer boots up by itself, and she receives a mysterious email that says Molly's next performance will receive an especially acidic review. And she shows this to her family, and most people assume that uh, the critic whose byline is cut off in the image, obviously pre-wrote the review, has some sort of grudge against Molly. And But they go, and they perf- she performs, and the performance is a disaster, and she does get a bad review. And throughout the episode, Fiona continues to receive odd predictions of the future. She receives a recording of her mother and the critic arguing, and then most ominously, she receives an image of the tour bus being involved in a car wreck. So that's where we're coming from with website. Mm-hmm. And she she first opens the email um, by the sender is unknown. So I'm thinking, Fee, why would you open someone <laughs> that's named unknown, and why would you click something that says click me? But yeah. I'll just say, this is the beginning of the show. She's younger. I'll let that slide. <laughs> well, it was maybe a little different back in 1999, but that's still, that's spam email. That, well, that... later later in, episode, in the episode Avatar, Jack they get, mentions they, the dangerous spam. 
Yeah, Jack them, and Carrie just opens it, and uh, Jack is like, are you an idiot? So that's why I think it's funny. Yeah, never click on an unsolicited email with an attachment. That is asking <laughs> for bad news. Lessons brought to you by So Weird. <laughs> and we're made to think that Fee has all these internet smarts, right? She has her own website, you know, it looks really slick, but she gets this email from Unknown, and she's like, where could this link go to? <laughs> Well, that's Fiona throughout the entire series. She always does things that at the time were probably advertised as, like, internet stranger danger, like in the episode Lost, where she goes down to meet random people that she met Yeah. Up. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. A 16-year-old <laughs> girl meeting somebody she's never seen in person before that she met over the internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we get our first real look at her webpage in the opening of the episode, and um, I always thought it looked really cool. I mean, I don't think I ever actually went online and looked at it, but it's got links to, like, stories, pictures, paranormal stuff. So I was just wondering, how does her website work? Is it? Do you all think it's just stuff she posts, or do you think it's kind of a collaborative website? I always assume that people would email her stuff, and then she would post it because she had that big inbox in the party chat room. Yeah, people yeah, submit things to her. Um, in the first episode, she said that she gets a submission. Who we know, we learn it's Jack. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I assume that people are sending her stuff and she posts this. But obviously, she has her own paranormal adventures that she writes about and posts about. Mm-hmm. And it said she got 1,244 visitors with this email. So I don't know <laughs> if that was good at the time or, or not. <laughs> that sounds pretty good for 2000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's still on dial up because later in the episode, we hear the dial up modem sound effect. So <laughs> <laughs> magic dial up works wherever they go. Yeah. Wi-Fi didn't ex- really exist back then. Did it? I didn't think it did. I-, I always think Molly has money for this. So maybe she bought some, special device tech Wi-Fi thing for fee. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It probably cost a lot back then. Well, the, considering the way Fiona goes through laptops, it's pretty clear that her mom's rock star <laughs> money comes in handy. That and their Tad Raxel connections. Yeah, I remember Cameron White in his review for this episode was trying to figure out how much it would cost to, you know, have the internet on the bus all the time. Oh, yeah. It, it would be outrageous. And another thing about this episode, you were talking earlier about how the characters' personalities are more established, and that's very true, especially Clue. He gets a lot of character development in this episode. Oh, yeah, he's doing his documentary. There's a, that scene where he goes into the music store, and he's just, like, screaming in the camera and acting goofy. That's, like, the clue that we know. Yeah, his yeah. role as the comic relief is very much established in this episode. Also, Irene's role. She really steps it up a notch with her whole bad A woman technique and the way she kicks her family members at the breakfast table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, we see the we see the the real actress that plays Irene in this episode. Yes. Belinda Metz. Yeah, and I like the chemistry between those between uh, Metz and uh, Dave Ward. They have a nice lived in chemistry, as do all the actors on the show, I think. Yeah, that scene, and I guess it's like a diner, I really enjoy because, yeah, you're right. They, like you can tell, although they all work together, they are kind of like a family They're on the road. Yeah. And um, what do you, how does everybody feel about Molly's reaction to this critic in the story? I would say it's natural. 
Fee kept pushing it, saying, that's not an old review. The date's published tomorrow. And then she's like, maybe I... Maybe it's an old review that she played in that same um, club that they're playing at. But right. I feel it's pretty natural. Well, just this is probably just me more than anything else, but I do dislike it when movies or TV shows paint critics as really bitter and evil and out to get people. Because as somebody who you know reviews movies and television, I feel like that's an inaccurate portrayal most of the time. Though luckily, by the end of this episode, the guy does run over to apologize. True. Uh, they do have so. a history, though. Yeah, it's true. Spencer, uh, I believe Molly says 12 years ago, Spencer wrote something about Rick and Molly. But what does he have? Like, why, why does he have it out for her? You know what I mean? Why her? I'm not sure if he really had it out for her, as it was that Molly, while she was performing that night, she had it in her mind that there was that review, even if it was written beforehand, that's trying to psych her out. And then her guitar string breaks. Yeah, but, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Good point. But, um, so, just a question I have for everybody, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but where are these mysterious emails coming from? Because they never outright confirm it in this episode. They kind of hint that maybe Fiona's deceased father is somehow behind this, but as far as I know, they never address that issue this in future is episodes. So on the list of unsolved mysteries of so weird that are always going to bug me. <laughs> Wait, you don't I... think it's Rick? Well, in the frequently asked questions thing, I remember there was supposed to originally be a plot line about demons like posing as Rick to trick Fiona. So I always assumed that it was Rick, but then I thought it would be really interesting if it was somebody else guiding Fiona or helping her along. Wow, demons on a Disney Channel show. I bet the Studio Brass loved that idea. <laughs> well, that's why we got the season through that we got. <laughs> um, at the end of the episode, Fee's writing in her journal and she asks herself, could this be my dad? Mm -hmm. And then right after that, the email she gets the email and it's a reply to her question, can I change it? And it says you can change anything. And then she's smiling, all happy-like. So that's why I do believe it is Rick. Well, it does, is it, excuse me, it is hinted in that direction, but we never actually find out officially who it is. So I just wondered about that. It is kind of an unresolved plot thread, but I guess we are just to assume that it's her dad. Yeah. I do wonder, though, I don't know, why would he choose this form of communication. I know he knows Fee's into the internet, obviously, if he's keeping tabs on her, but I don't know. Some of the things that the person does, like, after she sees the video, right, and then she, she wants to go back and show it to Jack, they make the video invisible, and I'm just, like, why, why did they do that? It's replaced it was, with a video of a dog with a funny hat on, I believe. Yeah, so... Why yeah. do you think that is? <laughs> True. Well, I think that also goes along with, at the end of Twin, Fiona got to see the ghost of Rick. And even though the ghost of Rick was standing right next to Jack, Jack still couldn't see him and feel him. And I always thought that was so unfair. Mm -hmm. Rick says in that episode that uh, these moments are dangerous. So I'm thinking when he says that, that means him trying to be visible to her, trying to contact her. So 
trying to contact her is a dangerous thing, so he doesn't do it often, or it's not as he wants it to be. Well, and I do agree with Emily that some of the predictions seem mildly malevolent, and it's just weird that her, the spirit of her dad would do that. Yeah. And the, the fan site's page, what is it called? More than you could ever want to know about Molly Phillips, which is hilarious to me. And I don't see Rick coming up with that, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> potential out there for fan fiction writers who want to pick up on a missing plot thread. <laughs> <laughs> but along that same line, um, I guess when I was re-watching this, I was so surprised... You know, I watched in the order that the episodes aired. And this episode actually aired the same night of the um, pilot episode. Like, it must have aired right after the pilot. So I was just really surprised that they were suggesting that Rick was able to contact me this early on. Do you all think that was a good idea? Well, clearly, I think the writers had it in their mind from the beginning that this is obviously Fiona's ultimate objective is to reestablish contact with her dead father, and this is what drives her interest in the supernatural. So I don't know if they had a clear story arc in their mind. In fact, I think some of the inconsistencies we pointed out probably proves that they didn't, but clearly this was in their brain saying this is what drives Fiona to do these things she does, and the death of her father, and proving that the existence of the afterlife is clearly something very important to the character. Yeah, I think you're right. I just, I don't know if it would have been more surprising to have this later on. But it, you know, obviously it's been years now and it does, it's not even relevant to this point. In, in season one, I don't think we get many Rick mentions or he's not that involved in um, their adventures. So I think it's okay to bring him in this early. Yeah, I think it's a little bit funny, though. We hear these tidbits about him in the first two episodes, and then they don't really revisit the Rick storyline again in Season 1 until the last episode in Will of the Wisp. Yeah, we find out in Rebecca exactly what happened to Rick. Like, we, we find out how he died. But um, otherwise, yeah, they don't really talk about him all that much. But speaking of Rick mentions, we talked last episode about when their dad becomes Rick Phillips. And actually, they mention Rick's name for the first time in that diner scene. I think uh, Ned calls him by his name or refers to him by his name, Rick. Okay, I'm glad we answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> there are many faces to Rick. In season one, you have that stock photo, which is apparently just this random guy that they took a picture of, and then they replaced him with an actual actor, Chris Gibson, in season two. And then they had another actor just for Rick's voice as a singer. Wow. Yes, in season one, it's the bearded Rick. Yeah, yeah he, he has a beard, so he, he looks different with facial hair. <laughs> yeah. Now, what do we think of, last time we talked about the re developing relationship between Fiona and Jack and how Jack was maybe a little mean to Fiona in the first episode. And this one, I feel like their relationship is more lived in, as with all the characters. Yes, he's still teasing her quite a bit in this episode, but there's one scene where he goes into her room and he says, I'm going to do a big brother thing and check up on you. So uh, there's that, at least, and the scene's pretty tender. I think he's way better. Jack's not that mean. He's not yelling at her. Yeah, I think the series is making it clear that the goading on his behalf is based out of concern for his little sister. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love their sibling dynamic because Jack will tease Fee mercilessly, <laughs> but he's always got her back. And when he sees that she's really upset and that something's bothering her, he'll go to her and give her advice. And even the piece of advice he gives is something about, I forget exactly what he said, but he kind of acknowledges the weird stuff happening in a roundabout way to make her feel better. I think he says maybe the person trying to contact Fee wants to be part of her freaky friends searching for the truth, which is just a perfect way for Jack to say it, you know, in a joking manner, but still being sincere. Yeah. Well, and another, there's rewatching the episode. Like I said, I liked it better on this most recent viewing than I did the last time I rewatched it. But there is still one element of this particular story that strikes me as slightly hokey, and that's um, the laptop opening up and booting up on its own, which I feel pushes too far into the unambiguous weirdness going on here. <laughs> Doesn't this happen in another episode? Um, yeah. I know I it, in the Gremlin episode. Well, <laughs> that's just a, a crazy episode. <laughs> the lap. I think they take away the laptop, and mm-hmm. it's just like rolling on the floor. Uh, in the first episode, does it open up on its own? Well, it doesn't open up on its own. I don't think so. But there is the scene where the ghost throws it across the room, or at least okay. we're yeah. left to assume that's what's happening. What about Troll? Does is yeah. does it open up or does it just log on by itself in Troll when Rick is trying to contact her again? I don't think it's no, in that no. scene, but I feel like it's on the scene at the bus when Jack comes to check up on Faye that maybe that's when it happens right after they leave. Yeah. I don't know. I guess when I watched the episode when I was younger, I thought it was a cool thing, but I can see why you would think it's a little hokey. <laughs> Yeah, and this show, as much as I like it, does occasionally veer into a little hokey, because it is for kids. I mean, it's a very well-written, well-made show, but it is still for kids. So there are going to be some things where you watch it and you sort of say, well, that's a little simplistic or silly. But um, I think the main theme of this episode is it becomes something about the nature of fate and whether we can change our future and what things are predetermined and what things aren't or if such a thing is possible. Yeah, I really like the scene at the end um, with Molly and Fee outside the bus where Fee asks Molly if everything happens for a reason. And um, Molly says she doesn't know. And she appears to be tearing up. And I wonder if she's thinking about Rick. Oh, yeah, clearly. I think so. When Fiona asks her mom, does everything happen for a reason, I think it's pretty clear that they're referencing the the death of of her father. And that is probably one of my favorite things about this show, is that it asks these deep philosophical questions that you don't see on any other children's show. Oh yeah, it's definitely more sophisticated than it had any right to be. Yeah, even at the end of like these monologues, they ask questions like, if we knew it was going to happen, what would we do about it? You know, that was today's opening question, I guess. And it, sometimes they're really quite thoughtful. Yeah, and that's one of the things I like about the show is that it does delve into, if not serious topics, then, well, it does delve into serious topics, but it also talks about sort of questions I think most everybody has. I mean, I think we all wonder about, you know, how much of our own fate are we in control of. I know I do. (laughs) I like in this episode where she does have her visions, 
and she successfully changes the future. Whereas in a lot of other um, TV shows or movies or video games, whenever that person can see the future and they try to change it, it's never good. It, usually at the end, they just have to realize that they can't do anything about it. But in this one, she could, and I really liked that. Yes, Fiona does help uh, save the day at the end. Which ends on a much more optimistic note with the message <laughs> that the actions you take do affect your future. Well, to quote Terminator 2, there is no fate but what we make, so... And that's one of the deep philosophical points that the show brings up to make you question about. Can you change your future, yes or no? Definitely. So if Fee does think that this person is um, is Rick trying to contact her, do you think she sent anything back at the end? I mean, we don't see her do anything, but... Why would she just leave it there? <laughs> well, knowing what we know about Fiona and how naturally curious she is about everything, I would certainly think she would write this person back. Probably when she hit enter, it said error, cannot send. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Rick's gone. Nope. The perils of trying to email the afterlife. I was going to say about Spencer, the reason why he goes back to apologize was because of what Fee told him, and um, oh yeah, kind of a funny sentence where she's like, "My mom makes people get up and dance, and if you could do that, maybe you wouldn't be so mean all the time." Yeah, I really like that scene, and I think the reason I like it is um, Kara's acting, uh, because the line is a little funny, isn't it? And mm. uh, you know. It's not like she's just defending her mom when she says it, but just because of the way Kara says it. It's more than that. Like, I think that she really does kind of pity him. You know, the way she says you wouldn't be so mean all the time. It's not like she's just saying it to burn him. I think she's she really feels bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that, too, with her acting. And uh, she does that a lot with uh, the other people adults that she talks with, and I always like and so weird how she tells uh, the people that she's talking with, usually adults, these these kind of messages, and they don't blow her off, or I think some of them do, but most of them don't blow her off. They take what she says and they consider it. Well, yeah, and that's because Fiona is a very strong personality. She always goes in with a defin definitive viewpoint, and she knows what she's saying, and she's not just a dumb little teenager. There's a mutual respect, I guess, between the adults and the kids in this show. Versus in some shows, it seems like the kids don't respect the adults, or the adults are talking down to the kids, you know. Or mm -hmm. even worse, that the adults are seen as these stupid authority figures who don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Parents yeah. just don't understand, man. <laughs> but I, I do, just going back to an issue I kind of have with the episode, and it's a nitpicky issue. Like I said, I, I'm not a big fan when... Uh, film and television portrays critics as really bitter, and I feel like that moment does reek a little bit of the common criticism of, uh, you know, when somebody, when you give somebody a bad review, they'll say, well, let's see you do better, and that's always one of the most patronizing, ridiculous things anybody can ever say about that, because, um, you know, that's not what a reviewer does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and when Molly, I think, is outside the bus and she talks about what she would have said to him and she says something about how he's stuck at, you know, a, a small-town newspaper, 
Maybe he's just doing it for fun, Molly, okay? You think about that? Maybe the money doesn't <laughs> matter to him. <laughs> for the fame. <laughs> well, I do like that scene where she says she, if given the chance, would have said something much more eloquent than what she did say. <laughs> yeah, that's good characterization, I think. <laughs> and some good acting from Mackenzie Phillips, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that they showed Molly in that light where she can act like a big baby even worse than her kids do and that she gets so immature in her arguing with them yeah it always cracks me up listening to her say you big fat liar <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they, immature. Play, they play it so much it's so funny <laughs> yeah and I do like that and I think that's another example of how the writing on this show was maybe in a better higher league than some of the other kids show writing at the time because adults can act petty and childish sometimes frequently do do we have anything else to say about website any other questions or things we want to talk about well I like that this episode um, lets us see into the tour bus a little more than we had in the first episode for one thing fees room is totally different um, I think it's much more realistic this time around it's not as big and um, as the boat or as the boat as the bus is moving, you can see like stuff in her room shaking. So Yeah, and that is something I do notice rewatching the show is even in this episode, her room is still really big for a tour bus. Yes. The big dilemma of how did they actually manage to convince us that that was in a tour bus? <laughs> yeah, the the Phillips tour bus is a TARDIS apparently. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah. And um Something that we've talked about in the past in the live stream is uh, we, we never see the crew traveling behind them. It's usually just their tour bus, and the crew just pops out of nowhere. That's true. Yeah, that's very <laughs> mysterious. Does Ned do all the roadie, the roadie work himself? <laughs> no, he doesn't, because in Mutiny, they have this entire group of people wearing MP tour bus shirts. Yeah, but we never see them. They, they disappear. <laughs> they come and go. Or uh, they're, they're other, the other band members, where are they? Yeah, because they pop up in the next episode in memory. Yeah, that's they don't true. travel with them. It's a little inconsistency, and I think the real answer to those questions is you're just not supposed to think about it that hard. Yeah, it's TV. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> I was too envious of Fee back in the day to be thinking about that kind of stuff. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to go live on a tour bus and go to the country, you know. I really was. I wanted that life, and now it's like, oh, those rooms, even though they're bigger than they should be, they're still too small for me, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think the main point is with the tour bus, having it just focus on Ned, Irene, Clue, or Carrie, Fiona, Jack, and Molly is that you get to see that sense of family. And in website, there's this one really tiny scene that's always stuck with me, and that's when Clue is just asleep with his head in Irene's lap, and Irene oh, is stroking his hair. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful I love moment that. to just showcase the point of family. Yeah, because you don't really get a lot of those kinds of moments, you know, with at least Irene and, and Clue. That I guess, intimate, but it's very sweet. Well, those three characters were always kind of pushed to the side because they are, the show is about Fiona and her parent and her mom and her brother, so uh, the that family is always there, but they're not as playing a prominent role in all the episodes. Yeah, I think uh, some people may view them as just comic relief, but I think we know that 
the bells have more to them than just that. Yeah, I definitely see them as this extension of the Phillips family because Irene definitely has more of like the ant vibe. Like back in Fountain, when we see the flashbacks, their families are always together celebrating the holidays. Yeah, no, it's it's clear that um, uh, Molly has a very close friendship with these two, and obviously their kids have grown up together, and they've always been around. Any other thoughts? Just general nostalgia over the dial-up sound effects? Yeah. I appreciate Fee's slow motion running at the end. That was beautiful <laughs> slow motion running. And how she hijacks the wheel. Yeah, that was very heroic. You know? <laughs> First big hero moment. And we see a lot of that with Fee. Uh, she can't... Or Jack's telling her how she, you know, she can't really help this person, and she, she's angry at that, that she can't help them. She can't do anything about it. She's always she's always wanting to help anyone, even if they're strangers. Well, that's just another example of the difference between those characters. How Fiona's always out there looking for adventure, and Jack is a little more practical in his goals and observations, perhaps. You know, it is pretty dangerous. Um, I always think of the episode where the Roswell episode, where she just wants to help the guy and just wants to take him on the bus. This clearly you just don't do that. Well, and especially <laughs> since the guy in that episode is appears to be mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, bring the crazy bum on the tour bus. That's a swell idea. Yeah, but remember, they have those big strong men to protect them. Oh yeah, wasn't that a line? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, overall, all things considered, not like my, one of my favorite episodes, but this one isn't bad, and the show is still growing at this point. But this one, definitely, you can see the characters are more established by that point. The writers and the show creators have a better understanding of who everybody is and the direction the show is going to go in. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, There are definitely a few episodes in both seasons where I just don't like at all. I think there's maybe three, but this one, I rated a seven. Uh, I don't get into ratings because I'd have to think about it for too long. <laughs> well, in my my old... ratings probably would change all the time, but right now <laughs> I, think, I, I think seven. <laughs> well, well, my uh, old review here, I gave this episode a six out of ten, which I think is still pretty accurate. Maybe I'd bump it up to a six point five. I would bump it up to an eight because I really appreciate Jack's snarkiness in this episode and all of the mentions of Rick. Mm, good points. I enjoy this episode. Uh, I can't do a rating. I, I just, I'm really meticulous about that kind of stuff. So I'd have to be like, well, it has this, and but you know, I'd have to go through all the pros and cons. It'd take a while, but overall, I enjoy this episode. It does make me nostalgic for like my early experiences with the web, you know, because it was strange but fun times. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> every I time think... I look at Fee's computer, I get nostalgic for the early days of the internet. And uh, all those email links with the very, very old graphics. Mm -hmm. And that video of the dog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I call it a GIF because it keeps replaying. And I'm thinking, is that the first GIF? How long would it take to load a GIF on dial-up internet back in 1999 or 2000? I don't know. A long time. Like a half an hour up to load an eight-second GIF? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I believe that. And it had sound, too, didn't it? So. Oh, well, you're adding at least an extra 20 minutes to the loading time then there. <laughs> I can remember uh, downloading a 10-minute video off of the Internet with my dial-up connection, and it took four hours. 
I remember trying to watch the trailer for the second Harry Potter film, and it took hours to load. Yeah. And the quality was bad even then. It was yeah. still very pixelated. And it wasn't unreasonable back in the day to for it to take, you know, an hour to download a song. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so too. And now it's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? It better not. And then has to make a phone call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you get put on hold with Comcast for six hours. So you're kind of re-experiencing that uh, waiting. Mm -hmm. All right, so do we have anything else to say about website, or have we concluded our thoughts on this particular one? I think I don't have anything else. We covered basically all the talking points I had, so... Yep. Okay. Anybody yeah, else? Yeah, got into family, the intranet, Jack's snarkiness, <laughs> Irene's tenderness and badassery. Okay, so that, I think, concludes episode two of the So Weird podcast. I say that wraps it up. Thank you for listening, and uh, like, retweet the show. Do that. Reblog, do everything. <laughs> <laughs> and join the fandom. We're fun people. Yeah, we'd love to hear any comments anyone has. Uh, you know, even if it's, you know, your own thoughts about the episode, or if you just got some feedback for us, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear anything like that. Do we have a, a show email, or is that not set up yet? I do have an email that I created um, for the YouTube. Okay, cool. Uh, it's a Gmail. But I, <laughs> do people really email stuff? I, You know, every podcast I listen to that's conversational like this, people give out an email, but I, I have no idea, because I almost never get any emails for my show. So I maybe that's something that's antiquated. Well, I'll say uh, where I posted this, so if any listener is listening to one format and you want to listen to something that would be easier for you, uh, I have it posted on YouTube on podomatic.com and right now uh, it's getting reviewed. Well, I actually got accepted for iTunes and also for Yay! Google Play. Cool. So it's on iTunes, it's on Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube. I think all of those have a comment feature. So... Yeah, and uh, iTunes has um, where you can leave reviews and a star rating. So definitely, if you're listening on iTunes, please give the show a positive review or star rating. That would be great. Thanks. All right. All right. See everybody next time, I guess. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye. Stay weird. <laughs>